everyone, and welcome back to Strong Style Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Paul Martinez. We have not spoken for a while. I uh, underwent some surgery, and the recovery time took a bit longer than I expected. Then once I was feeling better, I came down with the flu, and my voice sounded absolutely terrible. I didn't want to make a show like that. So I basically wound up skipping Power Struggle and the December uh, pay-per-view from uh, New Japan, as well as Final Battle. I have to be honest, I didn't even get to watch Final Battle. Still something I want to see. But with the New Year starting, of course, you know, I was right there front and center in front of my uh, TV screen watching Wrestle Kingdom 10, the best show pretty much every year in any promotion. It is the WrestleMania of WrestleManias. It is really just the top show if you are a true wrestling fan, which is what I hope the people who are listening to this show are. Not a lot of pomp and circumstance. Uh, this show relies on in-ring action, as if you're a fan of this podcast, you know. That's pretty much what the shows like Ring of Honor and New Japan are all about. They're about in-ring action, not much fluff. There wasn't much fluff here. Uh, just an outstanding wrestling show with some of the greatest matches that I've ever seen. Very pumped up to talk about this right now. So uh, we're going to get ourselves right into it. We're going to start off with the pre-show match, which basically was... It was kind of like a Legends Rumble, if you will. I mean, it wasn't complete Legends, but most of the guys were older guys, older Legends of New Japan, a couple of surprises. Uh, we had a Ring of Honor entrant. So, um, and basically, it's just a Rumble. It's a pre-show match. It's not meant to be taken too serious. It's not a well-wrestled match. It's just kind of a spectacle deal. What The Ring of Honor guy was Cheeseburger, which um, Cheeseburger is very popular <laughs> Among many of the New Japan guys, when they went over to Ring of Honor, uh, they very much, uh, especially Jushin Thunder Liger, really likes Cheeseburger. And so uh, Cheeseburger was an entrant in this uh, Royal. Uh, a couple other guys that were in this. Last year's winner, Yuji Nagata, was back. You also had guys like as, uh, the previously mentioned Jushin Thunder Liger. Fujiwara, um, who I think is 69 years old, he was back. Uh, Masculine Dorada. Uh, Ten Koji, a couple of surprises, guys like Haku, Koshinaka, um, which is probably better to know as most of you as Hakushi, and uh, the great Kabuki, uh, also involved in this. Uh, in the end, it was Jado, who was the 20th man that entered the ring, the last man in. He beats Ruski Taguchi to win it. Uh, he was accompanied by Momoka, I believe her name was. He's supposedly a very big pop star in Japan. She was there kind of pumping her new album that's coming out. And uh, after the match, she went in the ring, cut a little promo and the little poses and what have you. I mean, I give it one star. It really is not much of a match at all. It's pretty bad. But uh, it was just uh, nice to see a lot of the old guys uh, coming to the uh, ring for from so long. And uh, once that's over with, we get on to our main card. And our opening match, uh, much like last year, uh, we open up with a four-way IWGP 
Junior Tag Team Championship match. The champions Red Dragon defending against the Young Bucks of the Bullet Club. Roppongi Vice, which is of course Rocky Romero and Trent Barretta. And the team of Ricochet and Matt Seidel, which won the Junior Tag League Tournament. And, uh, you know, I always thought you're supposed to get a one-on-one title set when you win that. But apparently, they got stuck in this four-way. Maybe they'll get another title shot uh, down the line. We'll see. Uh, Before the match even starts, Cody Hall, who's there with the Young Bucks, just wipes out all the other teams. And that gives the Young Bucks the early advantage in the match. But of course, in these type of matches, no advantages really last long. Uh, it's actually a pretty solid early on match. Now, not an overabundance of high spots early on. Um, the fans were solidly behind the team of Ricochet and Matt Seidel, though. We finally do get uh, the high spots. It's we kind of get a plancha party, if you will, where everybody is diving out on each, each other. Seidel winds up hitting a moonsault from the top rope onto everyone. And Ricochet looks to hit the ropes to follow up, but he gets tripped up by Cody Hall. Cody gets in the ring as uh, Matt has the ref distracted for what seemed an eternity. He delivers a razor's edge over the top onto the other wrestlers. Uh, You know, really, they call it a razor's edge. It really was more of a border toss, um, but uh, whatever. And he throws them on top of the crowd, so that gets a nice pop. And then we get a really fantastic sequence between the Young Bucks and Matt Sidon and Ricochet as the other two teams kind of remain laid out on the floor for this. Um, there were a few near falls, a lot of nice spots from both teams. Soon enough, everyone's back in again. Rocky winds up hitting the most entertaining version of the Forever Clotheslines. Uh, pretty much everyone got a taste of some of it. Ricochet and Matt Seidel wind up hitting their finishers on Rapungi Vice, but the Bucks run in, toss them out to the floor. Then they hit Rocky Romero with more bang for your buck. One, two, three. The Young Bucks are once again the junior tag team champions. Three and a half stars. I like this match much better than last year's four-way tag opener. Uh, although I gotta say Red Dragon, who I'm a big fan of, really got kind of lost in this match. Uh, but still, it was great fun for sure. You know, as I always talk about these matches, when you have this many people, always somebody doesn't get enough ring time. And in this situation, um, I barely saw Bobby Fish ever in the ring. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, still, it was a very good match and uh, I, I good ending. And I, I like that the Bucks won this. Our next match was the IWGP Never Open Weight Six Man Tag Team Championship. This is uh, the crowning for the first ever champions. And it was the Bullet Club team of Tamatanga, Bad Luck Fale, and Takahashi as they faced the Briscoe Brothers, the Ring of Honor, and their partner, Toru Yano. Um, That's a pretty weird team. Not really sure if New Japan needed another title, but it is what it is. Briscoe started off hot early. But then we kind of didn't see them. Jay Briscoe really not involved in this match after the very start, unfortunately. Um, we do get a lot of Yano shenanigans throughout here. We finally do get Jay and Tamatanga in the ring, and they really have a solid sequence. I've spoke about this a lot 
um, in 2015, Tama has really, uh, his in-wing work has really uh, taken a jump. And uh, they've actually, I was watching the Kevin Kelly, Matt Stryker, and Yoshi Tatsu commentary for this show. And they kind of talked about on the pre-show how Tama was really vocal about how he's the only Bullet Club member to never hold a title. And uh, this was the match that he was going to end at. And so they're definitely putting a thing in about Tama and uh, his looking to emerge as a more prominent member of the Bullet Club. And as we'll talk about later, he's going to have that opportunity now. Um, but we'll talk about that after the show. This ending, though, it really came out of nowhere. Uh, Tama is on Jay's shoulders. He's holding on to the ropes, uh, you know, but trying to keep Jay from pulling him away and I guess giving him maybe some sort of electric chair or something like that. Uh, but Yano hits his hands with a chair shot, so he releases the ropes quickly. Mark runs up to the top rope. They hit the Doomsday Vice on Tama, get the pin. Two and a half stars. The match was okay, but it never really got to that next level. And as I was watching this, I really worried that could be the case with this title most of the time going um, forward. We'll have to see. I just felt the crowd didn't really get into this. I had a hard time getting into it. Was it because the Briscoes are not a known commodity? And the Buddha Club are really the only... Because although Chaos are kind of tweeners, the crowd usually likes most of their guys. The only people that really boo is the Bullet Club. So when you look at it, you have the Bullet Club on one side. You've got two Americans that they don't really know on the other side. That could have been a bit why the crowd wasn't into this. So we'll have to see uh, later on in future defenses against maybe uh, fan favorite teams if the New Japan crowds get behind this title. So uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that in the future. Our next match, Jay Lethal defends the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight title against Michael Elgin, the unbreakable Michael Elgin. Um, as you know, if you listen to the plethora of shows we had during the G1 Climax, Michael Elgin is a huge crowd favorite in Japan right now. Um, this match was a classic power versus speed and agility match. Uh, they go back and forth. Lethal winds up hitting the lethal combination. Gets a two count. Elgin winds up hitting that super falcon arrow. Uh, finally, Elgin goes for an Elgin bomb, but Jay uh, gets a hold of the Book of Truth. He cracks Mike over the head with it, uh, which stuns him. Lethal quickly goes into the lethal injection. One, two, three. Jay Lethal retains the title. I gave it three stars. Uh... I've had others uh, take, I guess, note against that, thinking it wasn't even as good as three stars. I mean, they didn't do too much, to be honest, but they did enough for it to be fun. I mean, definitely, you give this in a main event on a Ring of Honor show, it's going to be a much better match. They would have more time. I think they had like 10 minutes here, and that plays into you know, how much they can do. But again, Lethal is great. Michael Elgin is... Now that he's really, I don't want to say adapted, but I guess the way I'm looking for is he's accepted this role as this, this power wrestler, like just this guy of this incredible power. Everything's high impact, uh, 
feats of strength. He's kind of really taken this character and ran with it in, in his ring style. And it's working for him. Japan loves it. Um, that's always the thing that gets over with Japan. If you remember guys like Vader, uh, the World Warriors, they were always big favorites in Japan. Japan loves those like really powerful guys who, you know, does rely on feats of strength. And, uh, you know, this is what Elgin is doing now. And uh, he's embraced it and it's working for him. And, uh, to my opinion, if I was Michael Elgin, I would be talking to, uh, Gato about maybe becoming a permanent uh, roster member here. Uh, there are some openings in the Bullet Club right now, and maybe he can work. Um, although he is a favorite, and maybe you don't want to turn him heel. But I just think uh, he's a guy that the crowd is really behind. Uh, his style works really well here in Japan, and with the couple of defections that they've had. Again, I'm you know I'm telling the story before I'm going to tell the story. But they have some defections, and there is some roster openings, and this might be a good guy to fill some of those spots. And uh, we'll see what happens. Our next match, Kenny Omega defends the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title against former champion Kushida. Uh, if you don't know the story of what's going on with these guys, Kushida beat Omega in 2015. Omega wind up beating Kushida back. I believe that was in September where Omega regained the title. And here they are at it again. Their first two matches were excellent, excellent matches. Uh, Kenny Omega and Kushida, they just, Kenny Omega is really an underrated wrestler. Kushida is really, really awesome. And they just have great chemistry together. And uh, as this match uh, starts, Ryusuke Taguchi comes out. Dressed as that scientist, Doc Brown, from Back in the Future. Yeah, I know. And, you know, the whole uh, Kushida, you know, still with that gimmick of, like, he's Marty McFly or whatever. I don't know why Kushida continues with his gimmick. He's better than that. He doesn't need uh, a dumb gimmick like this. But, you know, the, the crowd seems to like it. They seem to like the whole Taguchi dressed as Doc Brown gimmick. So... It is what it is. Omega winds up coming out. He kind of comes out almost with like a Terminator type of an old Terminator entrance. Um, he enters alongside the newly crowned junior tag champs, the Young Bucks. Uh, before the match starts, the Bucks and Omega triple super kick Taguchi. That was basically my favorite spot of the night up to that point. Uh... Basically, it's a three-on-one. It's Kushida's just trying to fight off the Bullet Club on his own. Omega hits a sloppy garbage can, garbage can version of Bang for Your Buck. Uh, instead of using a rope, he uses uh, the steel railing out on the floor. Uh, Kushida finally does get that babyface comeback on Omega. Catches him with the flying Kimura, but Kenny gets to the ropes. Kushida winds up nailing a gorgeous swanton outside the ring. Uh, later, he tries for a corkscrew moonsault, but he misses that. And then at that point, they really took it to another level. Um, some great spots, a lot of counters. Young Bucks try to get involved again, but Taguchi, who's now uh, finally awake from that triple super kick spot, he uh, runs over with the trash can from earlier and takes both of them out. Then after a sick knee strike from Omega, 
he goes to the one-winged angel. Kushida counters that into a front cradle. And it's one, two, three. Kushida has regained the junior heavyweight title. Four stars. This was a great match, especially the second half of the match. Uh, these two guys, as I said earlier, have done so much chemistry together. Omega wrestled an amazing match with Dick Kushida. It was very well done. There was a spot I neglected to mention uh, late in the match where Omega hits a one-armed powerbomb. I mean, just an amazing move. These two guys... Um, I have no problem, you know, let Kushida defend against somebody else and then maybe let Omega get another match um, maybe in April. I'd love to see these guys go at it one more time. I'm definitely not tired of watching these two guys uh, face each other. Uh, you never know, we might see them face each other again in May in the uh, Best of the Super Juniors also. So I'm sure that this is not the last time we're going to see Kenny Omega and Kushida in the ring against each other. At least I hope not. Our next match. Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows of the Bullet Club defend the IWGP Tag Team Championship against Togi Makabe and Tomohiro Hanma. Uh, this was a total brawl, as if you were expecting anything different. Uh, at one point, Anderson begins carrying on an argument with Kevin Kelly mid-match. That was a little strange. Uh, the champs get Hama alone. They're really giving him a beating for a while, but they can't keep him down for three. They look for the magic killer, but Makabe breaks it up. He sends Gallows to the floor and follows after him, leaving a battered Hama alone with Carl Anderson. Carl winds up hitting a running powerbomb, and it's one, two, no. Hama's still alive by kicking out. Uh, Makabe and Hama wind up doing a Kokechi doomsday device to Carl. Then a top rope Kokechi, followed by a King Kong knee drop. And we have new tag team champions, three stars. This is a fun match. I really marked out for the win. Finally, Hanma is given a title. Uh, definitely, I think, his biggest victory. Um, some would say it was his victory in the G1 over Ishii. But uh, this one is, is for a belt, so I'm going to say this was his biggest title. Not his best match, the Hama match, but uh, the Ishii matches for Hama. Both of them were much better than this match. But I'm just really happy uh, for him. I'm happy for the crowd who just loves him. Uh, it's been a tough night for the Bullet Club at this point. One thing um, that Yoshi Tatsu said, which I didn't know, the reason that Hama is so popular is apparently... Uh, he's a big presence on local television in Japan, as is Makabe, which probably has some, they have, have some sort of reality show or something or another, or a variety show where they both appear on. And uh, that's why uh, they're really so popular with the crowd. Uh, but you know, Hanma is very popular with me, and it had nothing to do, because I didn't know about this TV show. I just think for me, it's just... You know, he epitomizes that fighting spirit, that strong style, never give up, uh, take a beating, keep coming style that I love. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, there's a little bit of comedy with the, you know, half dozen, uh, or so mystical catches in every match, but it's, it's a gimmick and it works for me and the crowd loves him and I love him. So I'm really happy for him and I'm very interested to see. 
who's the next team to challenge them? My guess would be maybe we'll see uh, the Los uh, Ingobernables. I probably butchered that. <laughs> you never know that I'm uh, Hispanic the way I butcher my Spanish. But uh, they might be the next uh, people to come after them. We'll have to see. Our next match, Hiroki Goto versus Tetsuya Naito. Uh, of course, Naito was accompanied by Bushi and Evil, his stablemates, in the previously mentioned Los Ingobernables of Japan. Uh, total mayhem from the start. Uh, Goto was attacked with chairs. Uh, Naito hits a neckbreaker off the apron onto a table. Which looked like it really hurt. And by the way, I mentioned earlier about the commentary. Um, the choice of adding Yoshitatsu to the commentary was just a horrible decision. Um, Kelly and Stryker, though, were actually quite good. Um, better Stryker was better than last year for sure. Um, much better than he had on Lucha Underground. I just felt, yes, I understood you wanted somebody who understood Japan. Uh, to sit with them, but I'd rather have had somebody who mastered the English language a little better than Yoshitatsu does. Um, I was thinking Rocky Romero, who, if I'm correct, speaks both languages pretty fluently, would be a much better uh, choice. Uh, you could have brought him in after his match and had him join the crew. And uh, he has a ton of charisma, and I just think he would have really lent a lot to the uh, announced team. But, you know, I'm sure they want Tatsu to do something. They're paying him since the broken neck, courtesy of AJ Styles, Styles Clash. And so, you know, the guy's collecting a paycheck. You probably want him to do something. So, I understood it. I just don't think it was the best choice. Back to the match. Uh, Goto, who, has, like I said, let's take it a beating. He does withstand all that punishment. He does come back. He hits the chitin with the, the leg trap. Sunset flip super bomb for a near fall. Um, there's very spirited action. Both men working hard. Since this gimmick, I have not thought Naito has always worked that hard. Which, again, I feel is kind of more of the gimmick than him being just lazy. But he worked very hard in this match. We do get a ref bump. That allows Evil and Bushi to attack. Bushi wants a spitting the green mist, but Goto ducks it. And Evil is blinded instead. Uh, Naito, however, lands a low blow and hits a double running leg cradle, but Goto kicks out. Goto counters a Destino, hits the Shoten Kai, one, two, three, three and a half stars. This was a very good match. A little too much interference, uh, for me, because we get enough of that with the Bullet Club matches. I mean, we know, when you see the Bullet Club, you know, you're gonna get a ton of interference in those matches. You kind of just know that's the way it is. That's the gimmick. So I really don't want to see it in matches that don't include the Bullet Club. And so I was not really happy with all the interference in this one. I was also kind of surprised at the outcome. Naito, I figured it was being groomed for um, either the Intercontinental or Heavyweight title. But as I read someone talking about their surprise also and then coming to the thing of, Remember, Goto beat Okada in the G1. So, by giving a Goto a win here, this gives Goto uh, two wins, one against the world champion, 
went against uh, a top guy in Naito and won on one competition, which definitely puts him in line for a title shot. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see Goto uh, very soon uh, in the ring for either the Intercontinental or Heavyweight titles. Our next match is uh, now the show. The show's been good up to this point. It's been a very good show. But now you get another level. And it starts with Tomohiro Ishii versus Katsuyori Shibata for the never open weight title. And you know this is going to be stiff as hell. Two of the most hard-hitting guys in the entire business. Early on, uh, they decide to do a shoot-kick contest where uh, each guy basically sits on the floor and that's the other guy kick him as hard as he possibly can in his spine. It's just ridiculous. But of course, Shibata wins this one because Shibata's kicks are just deadly. Then they uh, they wind up getting uh, back up and they're just hitting each other as hard as they can. I mean, clotheslines hitting. They're, they're not letting up at all. They are hitting forearms. They're hitting kicks. They're hitting clotheslines. They are drop kicks. Everything is connecting. Everything is stiff. Just craziness. Um, this is really the epitome of a strong style match. This about starts working some, some, uh, some submission holds. Ishii wants to getting a few near falls after a couple of killer lariats. After trying to choke out Ishii, Shibata goes for the penalty kick. Ishii catches it and then connects on a driving head thrust right to the chin. Both men are down. Uh, they slowly get up and then they start exchanging some truly disturbing head clashes. I mean, uh, someone get these guys free tickets to the concussion movie. I mean, really, this made me feel uneasy watching these two guys. These are not worked headbutts. They're not, these are not guys putting their hand up, uh, blocking the contact. They're both with their hands at their sides slamming their heads into each other. Not as hard as physically possible, but hard enough that you're hearing the connections. You're hearing it. You're hearing the clunking of their heads. Uh, I, I, just, I just don't like it. I just don't. There's too many concussions. There's a damn movie about it. Uh, this is happening. You know, you think about Chris Benoit and stuff like that, and you just don't want to see stuff like this. But not to take away, this is one small spot in what was an amazing film. I mean, this match was even crazier than I expected. Uh, Shibata winds up hitting a few more stiff kicks, then delivers the penalty kick. He covers, gets the victory and the title, four stars. Definitely one of the stiffest matches you're ever going to find. Uh, but these guys may both need time to heal. If I know Ishii, he won't take any, and neither will probably Shibata since he won the belt. But, I mean, how could these guys not be in ridiculous pain after this match? Just, just really, really, just something to watch. You just have to watch it. I mean, it won't be for everybody. Some people are not going to like this type of match. Um, but it is what it is, and if you do like Ishii matches, you're going to love this one. This is an EC usual match to the 10th power. I mean, they get EC on Makabe, EC on Hanma. Uh, this was stiffer than those matches. So if you like Ishii's matches, you'll love this one. Okay, our next match. 
um, Shinsuke Nakamura versus AJ Styles. This is for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. This match really had a big match feel to it, and rightly so. Uh, both guys really look good here. Fairly even on, AJ takes a back bump, and he looks to have re-injured his back. Um, you hear him saying, I did it, I did it again. But it turned out this was just uh, him trolling the crowd as he uses that to attack uh, Nakamura after he let his guard down. Uh, AJ takes control for a bit now. Nakamura does cut him off with a spectacular over-the-near backbreaker right out of nowhere. AJ comes back. He's targeting the leg. Nakamura's really targeting AJ's back. Some really outstanding exchanges, although I really can't help but worry about AJ's back throughout this match. Uh, Nakamura hits a second rope, Bomaye, that I thought almost knocked Styles out legit when he hit it. Um, they did show a replay, and you see it kind of really hit him in the clavicle and not the chin, as I originally thought. But it was a great sell, by, sell job by AJ. I mean, it looked like he got shot with a cannon the way he took this Beaumaye. It's just an amazing spot. Uh, this match is just amazing. AJ winds up hitting a glancing Pele kick, then eats a tremendous Beaumaye, but AJ kicks out. AJ then hits his own Beaumaye, Follows with a 450 splash. Nakamura kicks out. And about just half. I mean just in one. Of about half dozen. Holy shit moments of this match. Nakamura has AJ in a triangle choke. AJ somehow turns it. Into a modified styles clash. Unreal. One, two, no. Unbelievably, Nakamura kicks out. I totally bought that was the finish. AJ tries for another Styles Clash from the second rope. Nakamura counters into a super avalanche. He covers for two. Then hits a Bomaye to the back of the head. Comes back. Bomaye right to the mush. This time it's one, two, three. OMG. What a match. Five stars. This was simply one of the greatest matches I have ever seen. Both men putting on a clinic. Simply amazing. As I was watching this is when I first heard the rumors about the defections. And um, I found it hard to believe. After watching this match, I said there's absolutely no way. that." The only question in my mind at this point was, how is the main event going to top this? And let's talk about that main event. Kazuska Okada defending the IWGP Heavyweight Championship versus uh, multi-time winner Hiroshi Tanahashi. Um, really, in my opinion, and people could take issue with this, but it's how I feel. This is the biggest feud in the business. Not the company. I'm talking everywhere. I'm talking TNA, Ring of Honor. Uh, Mexico, any other Japanese promotions, and WWE. This is, to me, the biggest feud there is in the business. It comes head-to-head once more. Uh, coming into this match, they have faced each other seven times. Uh, the record is three and three with one draw. And the one thing is that 
Okada has never beaten Tanahashi on the company's biggest stage, which is Wrestle Kingdom. He's 0-2 at Wrestle Kingdom. So it's kind of like like people say, you know, you could beat, let's say you could beat The Rock three times, but unless you beat him at WrestleMania, you didn't beat him, that type of deal. Kind of the same thing here. Yeah, uh, Okada's beating Tanahashi three times. We've never beat him at Wrestle Kingdom. And that's what people remember. So, can he do it tonight? I predicted he would. They had a great hype video before the match, which really sold home last year's main event match between the two of them and how Okada broke down into tears after losing. And uh, so that really sets it up for really how emotional this is for Okada. Okada, despite being the champion in most people's eyes, is still second fiddle to the ace of New Japan, which um, the ace of New Japan is kind of like, you know, their way of saying the top man. Like, it's like John Cena. I don't care who holds the belt. John Cena is the top man in WWE. Doesn't matter if it's Reigns, Rollins, Sheamus, uh, but you know what I'm saying. Big Show, whatever it is. John Cena is always the top guy, even if he doesn't have the belt. And that's kind of the way it is right now. Tanahashi is the top man in this company. And for Okada to seize that, he has to beat him on the biggest show. Uh, after some posturing, there are some quick fireworks in the match. Uh, but then it really breaks down to a map battle for a while. Both men are just so good scientifically. Uh, you just don't see this much these days. I know Evolve will have matches uh, that are very scientific. Um, but my problem with them is I always feel they're a little too scientific. They don't have the right balance. That's not the issue with these two men. They wrestle a very scientific style for a while. And then gradually the match heats up. And we get more of uh, some high flying, more of some high impact. With some wrestling thrown in as it goes along. To me, it's just the perfect balance of scientific, high-flying, uh, and high-impact wrestling. And the fight, you know, eventually, as I said, it has to go up the next notch. And it does. It goes to the outside where they really uh, do some really good brawling out there. Uh, they do get back in the ring. Tanahashi begins working on the legs of Akata. He's hitting a number of dragon screw leg whips. I mean, he's really working on both legs, which uh, the announcers took note of. Um, Okada winds up hitting a series of drop kicks, ending with a springboard hesitation drop kick for a near fall. It was a really beautiful spot. Uh, Tanahashi winds up countering another uh, drop kick into a dragon screw, and then a clover leaf. Okada makes the ropes. Carter comes back, he nails a tombstone and the Rainmaker, and it's all over. No, it's not. Tanahashi kicks out of the Rainmaker. Carter goes up, hits his own version of the high fly flow. Once again, Tanahashi barely gets his shoulder up. Tanahashi counters a Rainmaker and hits one of his own. Tanahashi goes up, hits a high fly flow to the back of Carter, rolls him over, goes up, Nails another one to the front. One, two, no. The fans in the Tokyo Dome are literally going bananas. I have never seen a Japanese crowd like this. I mean, they showed the fans. They were literally jumping out of their seats. 
this is amazing. If you are a fan of Puroriso, Japanese professional wrestling, you know the fans do not do this. They will applaud and they may boo slightly, but they don't jump out of their seats. They don't get crazy. They got crazy here. Uh, just, this is just amazing. Okada keeps trying for main makers. Tana just keeps countering them. Finally, he does hit two short arm clotheslines, then nails the rainmaker. One, two, three. It is over. Akata has finally done it. He has finally defeated Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom in the main event. And uh, at this point, you know, you can say the torch has been passed here. Uh, and Okada is so deserving of this honor. He is. I won't lie, I'm a huge Tanahashi fan. He's my favorite wrestler. But, you know, Tanahashi has been slightly slowed. He is by far not as bad as people try to make it out to be. But the neck injuries have slowed him maybe a quarter of a step. And Okada is deserving of being the top guy. He's a younger guy by, uh, I think, 15 years younger. So, you know, he's deserving. Of this top honor. He's deserving of being the ace of the company. And the guy that they're going to continue to build around. And so I have no problem with that. Um, you know I gave this match five stars. I have seen all seven of their previous bouts. This may have been the best one yet. This was better than last year's. Which I thought then may have been the best one. Um, this was really overall just an excellent show. But the last two matches really make this one of the greatest shows ever. Uh, I am exhausted. Uh, this was just beyond words. What a match. What a night. And let's not take away, you know, I actually had someone ask me, okay, you gave five stars to both the Nakamura, AJ, and the Okada Tanahashi match, and which was the better match? And man, that is so hard to say. Really hard to say which is the better match. Put a gun to my head. I'm going AJ Nakamura was the better match. But, I mean, it's the smallest of margins, really. Both these matches uh, will be in the running a year from now for match of the year. Um, and, of course, now um, to talk about, in case you guys don't know, I'm sure 90% of you listening do. But for those who don't know, after show is over, um, the next morning the rumors came out. WWE has signed four people who wrestled on this show. They've signed Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows of the Bullet Club. That wasn't very surprising. I've heard rumors about Carl Anderson going to WWE for a while now. Uh, rumors are they will be reporting to NXT, probably to be repackaged, or maybe to be put. With Balor, we'll see uh, what they do with that. Being that Balor is a very popular fan favorite, I'm not sure they're going to turn him heel. And if you're not going to turn him heel, I'm not sure what's the point of the Balor club, if that's what they're going to do. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what they do here. But the other two names, AJ Styles, which, wow, is very disappointing to me. I heard AJ interview say, if the money was right, he would go to WWE. And so I guess the money's right. And then the shocker, 
Shinsuke Nakamura has signed with the WWE. I'm trying to be unbiased, but it's really hard. I am really not happy at all about this. I am a huge Nakamura fan, as most of you who listen to this show know. Um, you know, I would probably put him second behind Tanahashi. Um, and right in front of Okada as my favorite wrestlers in the world. And I'm just really, really upset, uh, that, you know, Nakamura's going to WWE. I understand this is the business and the man's going to make money. And hey, I don't begrudge anybody making money for themselves, for their families. I just can't help but feel like, and I don't watch WWE. And I've argued with people about whether or not I could even watch even if Nakamura is there. I'm sure if they did something like Nakamura versus Brock Lesnar would be something I'd watch. Um, but I don't know if I could turn on the TV and watch Nakamura job to Cena, Roman Reigns, Rusev, I, Sheamus, good Lord, Wade Barrett. I, I, I can't. I, 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 I I may literally throw something through my television if I turn on the TV and saw Nakamura losing to these guys in a two-star match. The guy doesn't wrestle anything less than four-star matches. Uh, the guy never does anything less than excellence in the ring. Uh, the most charisma of any wrestler in the world, that is without a doubt, I don't care who you tell me, I don't care what you say, there is nobody with more charisma and Shinsuke Nakamura, my guess is that is why WWE target him. So I wish him good luck. I don't know if I could watch him. Um, I don't really watch WWE as it is, whether or not the fact that AJ and Nakamura are there alongside, you know, a Brock Lesnar who's pretty much the only guy in that company that could get me my and also the Rock, the Rock. When he does little comebacks, he, he could get me uh, to watch a segment or two if he's involved. But, I mean, outside of Brock and Rock, um, Daniel Bryan, if he ever comes back, um, outside of those three guys, there's nobody in the roster that I would, you know, ever have me watch the show for. And, you know, Nakamura is a guy I love, and AJ is just amazing, but... I just can't believe they're going to let them do what they've done in the past um, on that show. I just don't see it happening. And that's very depressing to hear. But I don't want to leave on a depressing note. Let's leave on a great note. And the great note is that this was just an amazing Wrestle Kingdom 10. I am a little sad I was not able to go in person this year. It's still on my bucket list. I still want to get there to see this show in person. The last two years, that's been fantastic. Guys, if you haven't read this, uh, watched this show, do what you can to uh, get a hold of it. Um, it is definitely worthwhile watching, especially the last three matches. I mean, the, the early matches are better than anything you'll see on a WWE or TNA show. The last three matches are better than anything you're going to see anywhere. And uh, that's our show. Um, I mean, I'm going to be back um, in a couple of days for New Year's Dash which I'm about to watch. I didn't want to watch New Year's Dash um, until after 
I watched, I, I should say too, I recorded this show. I didn't want whatever happens there to bleed over here. Uh, apparently there are some very big storylines, um, considering the people who are now leaving the company. So we'll see how that all works out. And, uh, that's the story. Um, so be back with us, uh, probably in a couple of days. We'll be back with my review of New Year's Dash. Thank you for coming back and, uh, hopefully now, of my operation done and uh, my uh, my flu out of my system. We'll be back again a little more regularly. Uh, for those who don't know, also, the Lucha Underground is returning in just, I think, as I look at the calendar, three weeks. Lucha Underground should be back in uh, three weeks. It's a very, very exciting time. Uh, I will be reviewing Lucha Underground on this podcast. Um, I love the show, and uh, I want to keep reviewing it. I used to review it on the old podcast, and now I'm going to review it in a strong style. And uh, it's uh, so you'll be getting a lot more in me. Not sure if that's a good or bad thing for you guys, but you will be. We have Lucha Underground reviews every week, and of course, we'll be reviewing all the major uh, New Japan shows going forth. Okay, and thank you guys for listening. Sorry for talking your ears off there at the end. Uh, and take care. Bye-bye.